0: Hello and welcome to the Vision podcast, the sporadic trip into the realms of the dusty computer shops of yesteryear. Today's guest is Ross Taylor, aka the Xbox Vision. I first came across Ross's digital face nearly 20 years ago on a gaming forum, and back when I had a current console, Ross, I and a number of other people used to get beaten regularly by 8-year-olds at Halo. I know him as a gaming guru, Amiga fan and as someone who worked at game. But where did it all begin for him? My computing journey began back when I was
1: very, very tiny. Uh, it began with an Atari 400. We used to wheel it out and play games on it. And I remember asking my dad where it came from um, in later years and he bought it from somebody who worked with now interestingly enough this man that he bought it from was actually the uk pac-man champion as to what he was a champion of he couldn't tell me he said, all he knew was the uk pac-man champion so whether it was a high score or what or something i don't know but yeah the atari 400 that i had belonged to the uk pac-man champion so that's an absolute rubbish claim to fame but there you go <laughs> so what were you running on that pac-man what, what games were you playing you know i had donkey kong uh pac-man you know in my mind they were all arcade perfect you know i was playing arcade games in my home on the tv obviously they weren't but they they, they looked like it after the atari 400 we then upgraded to an atari 800 xl and we had a, a disk drive. My, my dad bought a disk drive, um, a second-hand disk drive, which came with a big box of copied floppy disks. You know, like I was just a, a kid in a candy store then. I had every game you could ever imagine. So, games like um, I was playing things like Alley Cats, uh, Clowns and Blooms, a favorite of mine, Minor 2049er, uh, and a game called The Whistler Brothers. Basically, it is a game where you control one character who is a, a guy on a platformer. And you have to whistle by pressing the fire button, which attracts the doctor to you, who is running left and right. He keeps on running left and right. Every time you whistle. he changes direction. And you've got to get him to the other end of the platform, past all these hazards and everything. And even to this day, I still can't figure it out. So if anybody listening can figure it out and help me out with it, then please do. But it's a brilliant game. But there you go. Yeah. So this 800, what kind of year are we talking about? We're probably talking early, early
0: 80s. Yeah, I remember having it in primary school. So, yeah, definitely early 80s. Because there's a kind of shift with the Atari and you know, the availability of the software. that it, There was, at one stage, quite a fair bit on on the high street, but I had a friend who was a, an A8 owner, and he ended up going to just a one shop, other than Budget Games, to get his software. Where were you buying you know stuff? What? We, we had exactly the same problem. You
1: go into newsagents, go everywhere and see hundreds of video games. Nothing for the Atari. Nothing. But then one day we stumbled upon a shop called Mr. Disc in Birmingham. That'll probably be fair to say it was a life-changing experience going into that shop because they had actually had Atari games. I remember buying Donkey Kong Jr. Uh, on a cartridge, um, which was brilliant. Again, arcade perfect. It wasn't, but, you know, it seemed like it. And also I was a big wrestling fan. So we bought a game called Bop and Wrestle um, on a floppy disc. Um, and I think actually looking at my shelves there, we bought – the Star Wars arcade
0: game, as well. We must have bought that from the same place. As well, and only with those smaller machines, you are, certainly in UK terms, dependent on those retailers, those specialist retailers, and finding them and, and kind of hanging on to them. Absolutely, and Mister
1: Disc was in, in Birmingham, so it was a, a good old trek for us to get there. You know, we, it wasn't the kind of shop we would go to every weekend. Obviously, we wouldn't go every weekend because you're not going to buy video games every weekend at that age. But um, yeah, it was a special occasion to go there. We used to go to Mister Disc and also visit Nostalgia and Comics to buy. My brother was into to comics and everything at the time, so yeah, it was. Um, if we went probably like two or three times a year, that was probably probably a lot. Yeah, and I also remember buying Street Fighter Two on the Amiga, Amiga Five Hundred from it as well but the less said about that the better I think
0: yeah. <laughs> So did you know any other A8 owners or were they Spectrum owners Commodore 64 owners You know what I was the only the only Atari owner in, in, in
1: school yeah none of my friends had Ataris so I couldn't couldn't share games couldn't swap games a lot of my friends had the Spectrum was big at the time. Obviously, a few friends have that. I remember playing Robocop on my f- uh, friend's Spectrum in his bedroom, who coincidentally was also nicknamed Chinny. So there you <laughs> go. <laughs> so you are being
0: exposed to the other machines. And I guess, I mean, Robocop's a little bit later. So what are you thinking of these games you're seeing and how they're comparing to your Atari and the games you potentially can't have because they're not going to appear on the a8 you you know what with when i look think about it now obviously the atari was of its
1: time it's fair to say but in my mind when I was a little kid playing these games, I always loved the Atari. I always thought that had the, the better games, and I always couldn't understand why things like RoboCop or that weren't being ported to it. I mean, it's obvious why they weren't now, now I think about it. But in my mind, I always thought it was a fantastic machine. I absolutely loved it. And when I did play the Spectrum and, and, and things like that around my friend's house and another friend had um, – in fact, it would have been a green screen uh, a green screen Amstrad, I think um, I remember playing. Yeah, it would have been. I remember, I remember looking at it thinking, why is it green? my Atari's got loads of colours. Why is it green? (laughs) (laughs) As I imagine a lot of people did back in the day.
0: Well, that's it. Their parents didn't want to spend the extra £100 on on the computer. So how long did you hang on to this machine for?
1: You know, we kept the Atari... Well, in fact, I've I've still got my Atari 800XL set up here now, so uh, it's still going strong. It's obviously got an SD card in it and a new power supply and everything like that. Um, So... I mean, it, it did go back in the loft for a good few years. It's only recently come back out. But we had the Atari um, right up until me and my brother had an Amiga for Christmas. So we kept on to it for quite a while. Now, don't, don't think that we just had the Atari because we did actually borrow a Spectrum off somebody um, for a long time. So it did have a Spectrum as well. That exposed you to other bits of software to play with. Absolutely right. Yeah. And I, I remember because it wasn't our spectrum. So I wasn't too keen on spending the big bucks like $1.99 or two ninety nine on brand new games. But I was buying your Sinclair, uh, Sinclair User with the cover tapes and everything. I remember playing a lot of the uh, the cover tapes. Games that spring to mind, less think. So there was How to Be a Complete, uh, beastard. There's also Ninja Hamster I remember playing. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's an old memory. Ninja Hamster, like a beat-em-up. And uh, Barbarian as well. It's the first time I experienced Barbarian on uh, my friend's Spectrum. Um, and that was just, well, it's a brilliant game. And
0: you've got a lot of other Spectrum owners around you, so you've got some C90s, right? Absolutely right.
1: Yes, yes, that was that was the yep. Yeah, absolutely C nineties. Yep, yeah. I remember. Um, my brother had my brother had the hi fi that could copy them. So yep, yeah. we were popular. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so you got the you got the A five hundred. Which pack was that? Uh, obviously, the cartoon classics pack. We bought that when it came out. And coming from the Atari to a Borrows Spectrum to the Amiga, it's absolute massive step up. I remember seeing Lemmings for the first time and just thinking, this is amazing. Even Captain Planet, like all the colors on screen, never got off the first level, but it's like, (laughs) wow, it's amazing. And then Deluxe Paint as well, messing with Deluxe Paint. That was, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And then when we had the Amiga, obviously, you got the playground, so people are swapping games left, right, and center. So we were never short of stuff to play. And we found a market. I think a lot of people had a Sunday market close by that was just a table with a a four printed sheet on the table, so you you speak to the lady, decide which game you want, and there you go. You got a handful of copy games in your in your back pocket. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely love my Amiga. Absolutely brilliant machine. Space reasons, I haven't got it set up now. I've got a CD thirty two set up, which kind of fills a bit, a bit of the gap. But yeah, absolutely love the Amiga. So fantastic
0: machine. So you're keeping these machines as you're going on. So the hoarding has started immediately. Absolutely, yeah. The hoarding back from yeah.
1: My dad, when he was younger, he had um, a collection of dinky toy cars, gave them all away to a a kid down the street who was going into the hospital uh, without my dad's knowledge, and he was absolutely devastated at this. So I think that kind of spurred my dad on to say, let's not get rid of anything just in case, because every now and again he'd see these dinky toys appear on the Antiques Roadshow worth like 200, 300 pounds each, these little toy cars, and he'd always be like, oh, I had that. So I think that kind of like set the precedent for my dad, never getting rid of anything. So we always hoarded things, always kept consoles, kept the boxes and everything, put them back away when we finished with them. Um, and they just lived in the loft
0: until me as a middle-aged man come and get them out and start playing with them again. So what was Amiga ownership like? What, the, what were the kind of games you were playing beyond that initial pack-in selection? The trouble I had with the Amiga is that because the games were so
1: prolific, we had a lot of games, it was difficult to kind of get into one game. And I've had that problem you know, if you were buying games, then you'd actually play them and, and stick with them, kind of thing. But thinking back, um, I used to enjoy uh, playing Sim City. Um, that was always a, a favorite. Um, June June two, it would have been June two, wouldn't it? The the real time strategy game that took a lot of my time. Um, Cannon fodder as well everyone obviously loved cannon fodder and sensible world of soccer now i don't like football at all i don't hate it you know people like it, it's fair enough don't like football at all but i absolutely loved sensible world of soccer i used to play that to death i remember because obviously didn't know anything about football i picked a team in the Faroe islands uh, they were called <laughs> b71 because <laughs> you could do that on sensible world of soccer uh b71 won a few games and managed to buy john barnes as our main striker <laughs> and he was just obviously a worlds apart from the rest of the Faroe Islands team so yeah I annihilated the, the, the competition I'm a big beat-em-up fan as well so when Mortal Kombat came out again in my eyes is arcade perfect clearly wasn't but it's was great I had a second disc drive as well so you didn't have to swap discs for the, some of the fatalities or the, the pit kicking people into the pit. it's awesome one of my favorite games in the Amiga though is um, a beat-up called Shadow Fighter and um, it was the, the Amiga's answer to Street Fighter at the time when, you know, all these ports of Street Fighter had come out and they're all rubbish. And then this company came out with Shadow Fighter and said, "Here you go, we can do it." And it's absolutely brilliant game, really, really good for, for beat em up fans. And it worked
0: fantastically with a single button as well. So the fact you're playing Shadow Fighter indicates to me you are at least kind of you're not one of these people who got to ninety two and jumped to the consoles as some of my friends did when the Mega Drive and the the Snes came out. You're sticking with the Amiga.
1: Absolutely, yeah. We
0: we stuck with the Amiga right up till
1: PlayStation. That was my next console after the Amiga, the PlayStation. So we kept to it a long time. And I remember games getting a bit thin on the ground. I used to buy Amiga Power as well. And I remember Amiga Power getting thinner and thinner each month until it was more of a pamphlet rather than a magazine in the last few days. And I remember in Amiga Power, they were talking about the, the new up and coming consoles and things. And they they had a little screenshot of Ridge Racer on the PlayStation. I remember the caption underneath saying, Yeah, but is it as much fun as F1 Grand Prix? Dot dot dot. Actually, yes it is. And that was like, <laughs> you know, that's kind of like me think, seeing seeing the light there that, you know, the Amiga's not gonna last forever. Perhaps it's time to to move on. But yeah, we we never had a mega drive or snares. Um I remember my my cousin had a mega drive. I think we played played on it around there, playing things like Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, all the big hitters like Sonic the Hedgehog, Altered Beast, Golden Axe. Yeah, and I always liking it no i always come back to my amiga absolutely brilliant machine
0: and you're doing all your productivity on the amiga as well well
1: yeah all our homework and everything um i think it amounted to in fact one day my my dad borrowed uh, from work a printer an old uh, dot matrix printer i mean this thing was like the size of my desk It's absolutely huge looking back so yeah we're actually able to print things out so i remember printing all my pictures out in deluxe paint in black and white amazing and uh the, the, the ultimate of printing out a city in sim city this thing this print was going for about 40 minutes you know <laughs> absolutely deafening but it did it there you go you had a print out
0: of your city there's some point we have to bite the bullet and go we need to have word for, for whatever reason or we need something that only runs on windows so when did the inevitable happen we bought a, a PC, you mean. You're
1: you thinking about buying PCs, where you, you go into the, the, the dull grey boxes and that's it for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's anyway. it really. is the, the inevitable day where you realise, as I did, you can't do what you want to do on the Amiga. Um, this would have been towards the end of 94 for me, and uh, you end up in a branch of PC world and ripped off for a Packard Bell PC that's got an SX2 processor, no sound card, uh, really bad graphics uh, for a relative lot of money because you needed this thing and it was of no interest to you previously when did that happen to you yeah, that what happened um, I think
1: I was 18 because we bought uh, a family PC and it, it, the story that you just explained there that, that is exactly right went to PC world we sold this big grey box with a big grey monitor with a volume knob on the front of it and and colour coded connections on the back so you knew where everything was going um yeah that was it and i think it was free serve as well plugged it in put it in my bedroom and that's it the internet was there at our fingertips and life changes massively there doesn't it if you got that so um, the
0: amiga slowly goes away or it's just suddenly shut in a cupboard yeah, the Amiga slowly goes away. It goes. Eventually,
1: went back in the box, which it still sits in now in in the loft. Um, back with all the the, the bags and everything, and the the mouse back in the box. So yeah, um, that went away. My PlayStation took over. So that my PlayStation was underneath my TV. Um, yeah, and at around the same time as well, I got a job. My uh, first full time job was working a game in the local shopping center. So then I just had access to playstation games n 64 games left right and center um and the secondhand market that came in as well so i was able to buy things cheap and that kind of built up my collection over the years and i'd always i'd always collected video games uh, but then working a game kind of spurred me on to, to buy more and yeah and I remember working a game as well um there's a guy there who he had just started using mame so he was telling me all about mame and i was like wow it's amazing to play arcade games at home finally. I remember the very first game I played on MAME was like a floppy disk and it was R-Type. <laughs> so you gave me a floppy disk with MAME and R-Type on. So yeah, that was the first double into emulation. <clears throat> and then obviously emulation. I've always looked at it on a PC, but as you well know, there's nothing, nothing beats the real hardware. Um, and that's what I've always come back to. Like I say, I've got my Atari set up, I've got CD32 set up and various other consoles and things set up just because nothing beats the original hardware.
0: But at the time, the whole emulation thing, I had my first PC and got hold of a CPC emulator. And suddenly there I was on a 14K modem uh, that I'd borrowed or on the college's time uh, <laughs> in the lab, downloading stuff from MVG's Amstrad games I'd never actually got chance chance to, to play. So it opened <laughs> up that kind of, the CPC might be in the cupboard because um, I've got an Amiga and a PC, but I'm still using CPC stuff on the PC and doing playing all these games I'd never got chance to play. It was like a cornucopia. Rainbow Islands, never played it. Download it, and it opened that whole kind of world world up. But coming back to game, because it was game, am I right? That had lots of Atari Jaguars for sale. Well, yes, they did. Um, I was working there at the time when we had a, a memo
1: through from head office saying, uh, here's a list we've partnered with TeleGames, I believe it was. Now, I think the deal was that TeleGames had found a massive container of Atari Jaguars and Atari Lynx consoles as well, um, and they were selling them to retail stores. But the, the deal was you had to buy 100, I think it was, so you had to make it viable for them to you had to buy 100. Yeah, I was working a game, and we had a memo through from Telly game saying atari jaguar is coming in store soon here's a list of games that are coming with it so i looked at it with interest thinking oh brilliant okay you know this is interesting because it was it was retro then but, you know it's been discontinued for a long time Looked down the list and um the big hitter alien versus predator wasn't on the list Turned the page over and it says yeah if you want alien versus predator you've got to send away for it on special mail order and it was like 69.99 <laughs> which yeah, and i was like well that's a bit off isn't it when you're all the other games are starting at nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> so yeah, we had the Atari Jaguars. Uh, we made a display on them on the shelves, and there was me thinking, "Oh wow, this is you know this is really good. This is you know proper games, old old games. People are going to love this." And nobody did. Nobody paid any attention to them. They're just in there buying the PlayStation Twos and Xboxes, um, ignoring the Atari Jaguars. We sold a few Atari Lynxes, um, and a lot of those came back because the screens were faulty and not very good. Um, but then game being game lost interest in stuff like that pretty quickly so they started discounting them all so I remember picking up an Atari Jaguar for nineteen ninety nine with my staff discount which would have probably would have made it about 15 quid um and it's still in the box um in my loft now um I think I've played played on it a couple of occasions um I've got one game for it Wolfenstein and yeah there you go it's it sits in the loft forever now I did look now so I'm obviously a big Atari fan from back in the day, I looked into the SD card solutions for the Atari Jaguar and there is a company making one, but it's just very expensive for for what you get for it because when I think about it, are there many Atari Jaguar games that I actually want to play? Probably not. Yeah, probably not.
0: That was, I remember standing in game in Guildford and looking at them and thinking, yeah, okay, but what do I want to play on this?
1: Because exactly they were right,
0: they right. were they were 1999, and eBay had them after. I think eBay must have bought up the remaining stock after that, and continued to try and flog the dead horse. But it was um it's like, okay, yeah. But and then I got to buy some games for it, and then I don't really want to play any of these. And if this was a Dreamcast, I'd be going for it. But it's a Jaguar, and I'm not. Now I'd just buy it because I'm yeah. now at the hoarding stage. Yeah, But back then I was still being a bit more discerning.
1: <laughs> Absolutely right. And and you're right to think that's the case in point. Mine is in the box, has been used a handful of occasions and it's just been stored away because that's that's what you do with the Atari Jaguar. Of course if i a alien vs. Predator was the big the big hitter on the Jaguar. So if that was if I had that then maybe it might have been a different story, but I'm glad I only paid what I I did for it. Let's put it that way, yeah.
0: Before we go into what you collect these days, I want to play a little bit of word association. So I'm going to give you a word and just say the first things that come into your head. So give me a number between 1 and 15. Let's go with 11. 11 is arcades.
1: The first thing that came to my head was Outrun. I would have played that in Wales when I used to go on holiday every year with my grandparents. Now, we used to go to the Golden Gate Holiday Club, which is as nice as it sounds, <laughs> <laughs> but the arcade that they had on site, I remember talking to my brother about this in uh, recent weeks, the, the arcade there, these guys must have they had their heads screwed on because they had all the latest games, they had a, a Gauntlet cabinet. they had Mortal Combat when that came out, standing right next to Street Fighter 2 when that came out, they had um, obscure stuff, like um, not so obscure, Wonder Boy, and there's a game, I can't remember the name of it, where you played a guy in, a, in pajamas, like in a Dream World type thing, uh, the Packland, Robocop, RoboCop, WrestleFest, Pole Position, absolutely brilliant arcade. So we were very lucky to, to have that, that we went on holiday every year. And yeah, OutRun with this steering wheel. I mean, that's like iconic, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant game. But only recently have I played the sit-down cabinet with the hydraulics at the arcade club up north. Um, right. And it's ab- yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It throws you about like nobody's business, but it's <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Yeah, brilliant game.
0: So the last time I had a go, one was in Ilfacombe. i not. It wasn't a moving one. I've been on a moving one since the days of the one at Clarence Pier in Southsea. But um, there was one, Ilfacombe about two thousand and three, two thousand and four, and very dark February snowy day. I was in there. I thought, oh, out run, and it had a broken uh, shifter. Oh. And then next time I went back, it had gone. So that was that. But um, yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, Those days are sadly uh, going into an arcade and still seeing something old. A crazy taxi you sometimes see and the video games have gone from those kind of arcades. Um, Another number, please. Let's go with number six. Number six is, I've split it across lines, uh, school computers. School computers, Um, yeah. We had,
1: um, obviously, the BBC with uh, Granny's Garden would it be granny's it would be granny's garden wouldn't it i think i remember playing that in school and um was it suburban fox mm, I, yeah, yeah suburban fox that that i think it's suburban fox anyway but in um secondary school we had um an archimedes i remember playing or seeing lander on archimedes yeah and actually my um my maths teacher had a special day where like end of term he us all play on the computers and i remember him having outrun actually on the i believe it was outrun on the archimedes would it have been out
0: yeah no no Mm.
1: and we also had in our our form room at school i think it's probably a pc maybe because our form room was the the art class our form teacher was the art teacher so that was where we had our form room and i think it was a pc because we had a game called car wars on it um which is basically like a. Top down, one versus uh, two player, one versus one car, both playing cars, and you turn left and right and accelerate, and you can pick up weapons and shoot the other car and try and then uh, destroy it. A real simple game, but we lost countless break times and lunch times to playing that.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's good. So, so when did you start picking up uh, bits of old computer stuff? That kind of point where you're coming across stuff in the nineties working a game was always was was useful um because a lot of people were coming in and trading stuff
1: in um and game we we're only interested in trading like playstation games or you know by the time i got there we had certain things we could trade in but we occasionally had people wanting to trade in saturn games and other stuff as well which we weren't technically allowed to take but i always kind of had a um, a gentleman's agreement if you were like i'll i will buy these off you if you're willing to sell them to the store and um let's just you know say no more so i remember buying um, a cd32 off ebay um back before the the prices went silly and when i worked it out i think the cd32 and a a load of games uh, i think they probably averaged out about 11 pounds (laughs) each so (laughs) um my cd32 technically cost me 11 pounds uh which is great because i bought it before the Prices went crazy. I did the same with a 3DO, bought 3DO and a load of games as well. Another quick story as well, I was fortunate enough to know somebody who had uh, built up a big collection of consoles and, and video games and things. I think he was looking to sell them for some reason. Perhaps he was, he was low on cash or something. So I was in the right place, right time to acquire probably like three or four big boxes of, of stuff off him which had a load of Saturn games and loads of different Japanese games. Um, a virtual boy as well a nintendo virtual boy uh, was in there with a load of games and then talking of collecting recent years in fact just just last year i found in my mother-in-law's loft uh, an amstrad cpc with a, a monitor um all boxed up pristine condition so I was like, what's this dude up here so that used to be which is my brother-in-law now it used to be his his computer i was like wow well does he want it because i'd have it if um, he doesn't so yeah he can have it so, yeah, I've recently acquired an Amstrad as well, which is the first time I've owned one. <laughs> which model Which model is that? The Amstrad 464. Got a 464. Yeah, yeah. And it's been in a loft for ages. Um, we got it out, set it up, turned it on, worked first time. Of course Ab- it worked. Of course it, it always, works. They Absolutely.
0: always work. And if it doesn't work, as I always say, deox it in the on-off switch. There you go. Or like the one I did the other day, actually in the monitor socket as well, because that corroded yeah. uh, <laughs> but um, yeah yeah they are pretty uh, they're pretty bulletproof so uh, anything else you've got in the collection there um well i'm looking under my tv
1: at the moment there's there, there's lots actually there's an n64 there's a saturn dreamcast um right up to xbox one and nintendo switch my atari 800 um yeah so i've got quite, quite a quite a collection i mean it is main probably um mainly console games that that i've collected now because obviously working a game that helped out loads but yeah getting my atari back up and running with an sd card reader on it that was ah, that's brilliant you know you got every single atari game you could ever want um on an sd card it's fantastic i've recently as well restored i say restored i've put a composite mod on um an atari 2600 just to, to see what it's all about, and got a, a handful of games for that off a, an old friend as well. Um,
0: They're quite which, basic, but very, you know, a lot of the games are quite playable. They're good for a quick
1: blast, I tend to find. Absolutely right. You know, yeah, very basic, but yeah, I'm okay with that. You know, I can I can appreciate them for what they are and, and playing them. I bought um what was it, one of the games that came with it. I think it's a Dragster, I believe it's called. Uh, real simple premise. It's like a drag race uh, from side on screen split in half in the middle all you've got to do is accelerate and change gears at the right time to get the fastest time i thought that's really simple that is I had a quick look on youtube and some guys did a, a video it's like two hours and 40 minutes talking about it. It's like the intricacies of it. I'm like wow that's um it's actually not basic at all is it that
0: <laughs> it's always always a video it's always yeah absolutely there's always someone yeah but having that ex- ac- accessibility of the sd cards and things like that is so useful um, I've got two separate solutions for my Ataris and my ID2, I think it is. And I've got the other one that Chrissy and Steve Green kindly sent me, which is the, it plugs in the other socket on the back, not the cartridge. And it's got a disc screen on it and you can you can get everything on there and it just kind of works, which is nice. Yep, yeah, And that's the one I've got actually. Yeah. It plugs
1: into the, the disk drive socket because normally you'd have to have a disk drive next to my Atari, which is quite a bulky, bulky thing. Whereas now I've just had like, the actual actual Atari keyboard with the SD card reader stuck out the back and, yep, saving space and, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. And every game you could ever want on there. And, of course, there's, there's new games. that up. Some people, cre- clever people are making new games, not quite as many as as perhaps other, other machines, but there is some new games on there, yeah.
0: Technically, I mean, RGB is a game that has absolutely stunned me when I played that, what, five or six years ago. Just a really, really good and and good-looking Platform puzzler game. Absolutely, yes.
1: I remember you covering that on the channel. Actually, I remember thinking at the time, "Wow, look at this! Atari's getting some love. Brilliant,
0: love it." Yes. So, what does this hobby mean to you?
1: When I when I think about it, like video games have kind of been there all my life, like as long as I remember. Like growing up, we always had the Atari Four Hundred being the first machine, and going on holiday with my grandparents and visiting arcades and spending a lot of time there. Right up to my first job working in video games not the, the greatest it was still working within video games so like everything that's come and gone in my life like video games have kind of always been there and it sounds kind of a bit soppy but yeah they they always have and now you know you can look on youtube and join in your discord group and things like that it's great to kind of share those experiences with with other people and i've, I've made some good friends along the way as well there's th- three of my best friends I, I met and i'm still friends with them now after even after leaving game what 15 20 years ago I'm still friends with uh, a couple of the guys that I worked with there and we still meet up regularly and play games and, and play online and things. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of always being there and I, I, I can see it always being there. I mean, the collection of games behind me and everything, You know, I always joke that they'll be there forever and when I'm gone, the kids will just throw them in the skip and that's it, done. <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen to all our collections, frankly. They're all going to end up in the <laughs> yeah, skip. Absolutely. So enjoy them it's- while you've got them despite me saying that this one's worth you know a couple of quid so keep
0: hold of this one or that no it's gonna
1: go straight in the skip that'll be the first one gone yeah
0: and mrs chinny has instructions too if anything ever happens to me phone the future as 8-bit because he knows what all this stuff is absolutely <laughs> get, get someone around short of putting post-it notes
1: on everything before you go yeah get somebody <laughs> else around to value it definitely yeah. well
0: Thank you so much for for joining me today. Um, where can people find you online? Um, you can find me online mainly on Twitter. I am the Xbox Vision, which is all one word on Twitter,
1: um, and also on Instagram, which I rarely use. But I occasionally tweet about video games and kind of stuff like that.
0: Thanks, Ross. Thank you. And remember, Chini Vision is out every week on YouTube, looking at games and hardware like we discuss here on this podcast. I'll see you all again very soon.